1: Hi, welcome to The Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is best-selling author and PR expert, Ryan Holiday. Go to ryanholiday.net to find out more. Ryan, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Ryan, how did you get into media, PR, and becoming a best-selling author?
0: Uh, I mean, I wish there was a a simple, quick story, but it's it's pretty complicated. I started working for authors when I was in college. Uh, I I started with a, a blogger named... Uh, Tucker Max, who just had a website, um, and he ended up turning that into a book. I did the marketing on the book. Um, that book and his subsequent books have gone on to sell something like, um, three million copies worldwide. Uh, they were on the bestseller list for hundreds of weeks. So I sort of learned like a new type of book PR that's, that, um, doesn't rely on mostly traditional media. It's about sort of finding the online levers that actually drive sales. Um, and from my, you know, results there, I got passed to other authors and to other authors. Um, that, that, you know, I, have had the opportunity now to work on something like a, a few dozen, uh, New York times best-selling books. Um, and then ultimately, uh, I decided to write my own book, which I, which I did in
1: 2012. Okay. So you've got three books, Ryan, is that correct?
0: Yeah, this is my. Uh, I'm I'm on the cusp of releasing my third book, um, all with with Penguin Random House.
1: Okay, so we're going to talk about all three of them because they're all relevant for an online business owner. All of them are relevant in their own way. So let's go back to 2012, Ryan, with your first book, which was "Trust Me, I'm Lying: Confessions of a Media Manipulator." What is that book all about?
0: Yeah, so I wanted to lay out in sort of expose style exactly how the modern media system works on the one hand it's sort of two books in one but it it sort of takes and it as a result takes sort of two different points at the same time you can sort of choose which one you want but Mm -hmm. on the one hand it's sort of an indictment of how online culture influences consumer behavior influences you know public opinion it how it, it drives our sort of conversation, oftentimes in in detrimental or manipulatable ways. Then on the other hand, I show how I've helped brands, businesses, public figures take advantage of this system. So it's sort of an amoral take on, you know, what it means when blogs are the lever through which, you know, the, the, the rest of the media system is influenced. Um, and I show people how, you know, how to get attention on blogs and how to, how to drive awareness and I talk about a lot of controversial campaigns that I was a part of, um, that I witnessed, that I studied, um, and so I'm, I'm basically ripping back the curtain and showing, you know, sort of what goes on behind the scenes. Then the idea is the reader can either be aghast by this and attempt to change the system Or you can say like, look, this system is bigger than me. I've just got to protect myself and my employees. So here's what I'm going to do about it.
1: Could you let us know one of those stories, Ryan, just an example, so we can kind of get a bit more of a feel for what you're talking about. Like we're peeling back the curtains, something that might surprise people.
0: Sure. So I I talk about everything from how I created a you know a a fake national boycott of of one of Tucker's books and ultimately a movie. I talk about how you know American Apparel would sort of deliberately create these controversial ads that we knew would get a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes we would create ads. That would never run anywhere, or we might spend a thousand dollars buying placements for, but knowing that the online conversation would put them in front of millions and millions of people. So, and I, I talk about sort of responding. Uh, basically, how do if a, if the online media system will print anything and doesn't care about facts or truth, how do you fight fire with fire, or how do you use that to your advantage? Um, and I, you know, I'm I'm talking about things that I think people would probably. Qual- classify it as, as black hat or grey hat. It, they're definitely things in a sort of a moral grey area. But the point is, um, this is how the game is being played. And I want people to understand it because if you're not going to play it, somebody else will.
1: Yeah, definitely. So a lot of the listeners to this podcast, right are online marketers. How can the average online marketer use this info in your book to their advantage?
0: Well, I what I'm showing is how media narratives are developed and how the media system Which was once about sort of um, access and gatekeepers in order to you know to sort of spread your messages through actually have a handful of loopholes and strategies that people can take advantage of to you know uh, like look I think direct marketers understand that the majority of sales happen through direct marketing channels but the um, the the amount with which you can charge and the status or Credibility that you have as a brand, um, it, a lot of these intangibles are important in that regard. So it's you know what what could you charge for a product if it had been featured in the New York Times? What could you what kind of attention or a list could you build if you were if you were able to get your message on national television? So I'm I'm talking about you know how you essentially get the results of traditional marketing and PR, but using these tricks and strategies that let you sort of use the system against itself. So, you know, I talk about how I created, you know, literally national or international spectacles for a couple thousand dollars or even less. And then, uh, how I'm able to, you know, sort of make, you know, millions and millions of dollars in in sales on the back of those, those stunts or, or, uh, you know, tactics.
1: A lot of the time when these things go really big, the term is viral. That's the online term anyway. Is that what you're referring to there? You went viral on certain occasions and the whole thing just blew up? I mean, I think
0: when people hear it went viral, they, they you know, they, they think like a funny video of cats or something. Like what I'm talking about is how you create a media narrative that is spread or propagated through high status exclusive channels that enhance your credibility and your reputation because you've, you know, been recognized by an exclusive or a scare or what appears to be an exclusive or scarce media outlet.
1: Okay, so let's move on to your second book, Ryan, Growth Hacker Marketing, a Primer on the Future of PR, Marketing and Advertising. What's the big idea behind that book?
0: Yeah, so it's it's a really short, straightforward book that I wanted to be an introduction to how Um, this new class of brands have been built. So, like, when you look at Facebook or Twitter or Dropbox or Airbnb, you don't go, Oh, I wonder what PR agency was responsible for that. Or I wonder, you know, who the, who, who bought their television commercials. Like, it's, it, they, they, they grew to be these billion dollar brands using a a new set of tactics. And what, what they call that growth hacking and, and growth hacking is a, it's sort of a combination of traditional marketing mixed with direct marketing mixed with sort of, um engineering and business development so it's this idea of like look facebook didn't have a marketing department for the first several years of its existence it had a a growth department and i know that feels like a semantic difference but you know a marketing department's job is to do marketing a growth department's job is to grow the company sort of by whatever means possible so i wanted to look at what some of those means were and then try to you know, explain and articulate them to people who are not running tech startups um, because I think there's a lot to
1: learn there. So what companies have gotten big by using growth hacker marketing?
0: Uh, well, I mean, I, I mentioned some, but I talk about in the book, everything from Airbnb to Mailbox, Dropbox, uh, Snapchat, Instagram. You know, the the billion dollar companies that were starting in the last five years uh, in the tech space were not built on Super Bowl ads and Times Square and celebrity endorsements, right? They were built with, um, it was a, it was a sort of a slow, not a slow, but a, a iterative process where the product did most of the heavy lifting and the marketing was built into the product in a way that once the initial sort of people were brought on, it, it had explosive growth.
1: Okay, and then on to your final book, and this is to be released in May 2014, is that right? Yeah, this May, May 1. The book is called The Obstacle is the Way, The Timeless Art of Turning Trials into Triumph. Uh, This sounds quite a different book from the first two, Ryan. What inspired you to write such a book?
0: Yeah, well, in a way, this is the book that I always wanted to write. This is, it's it's based on the Roman philosophy of Stoicism, and it's sort of an introduction to Stoicism. But I know when people hear like, oh, philosophy, I don't have time for that. Like, this is a set of strategies that successful people have used throughout history that I was introduced very early on that helped me become successful that I wanted to communicate to other people um, in a way that could be practical and applicable to their everyday lives. And it's it's about how, you know, it's based on a a meditation from Marcus Aurelius, who is the the emperor of Rome, and he's talking about how, like, things will get in our way in our lives, and we'll be prevented from doing what we think we want to do, but our intentions can never be impeded right because our intentions can change so you think you want to do one thing um then something happens well now it's actually an opportunity to do this other thing so he says you know the impediment to action advances action what stands in the way becomes the way so i sort of shorten that to the obstacle is the way And, and it's a book about how you know the the things that we think are holding us back are actually teaching us or presenting us with an opportunity to um To improve to be better to try a different virtue or a different you know creative skill and i think that that's ultimately a formula for sort of doing whatever you want with your life and never being frustrated or or blocked because you know you're always fluid and you're always adapting if that makes sense
1: yeah that makes sense is this still a business book ryan or would you say it could apply to any aspect of life
0: yeah look i think what um you know Mark aurelius is the emperor of rome uh, he was one of the most famous famous Stoics. Uh, Seneca was known as perhaps the most financially successful man in Rome, uh, other than the emperor. Um, and then you look at some of the other famous Stoics in history, whether they're they're generals, whether they're um, artists, whether they're writers, um, or or just businessmen and investors or soldiers. Um, Stoicism is a philosophy designed for people who. Do things. They are designed for people of action. And, mm-hmm. you know, t- today, like, there is, business is the, is the, you know, the sort of the arena that most of us comp- compete in. And I wanted to write a book that sort of uses these strategies. It's like, like, look, if stoicism can help you on, on the battlefront, I think it can help you in your, you know, negotiations and your business organization and all the sort of equally stressful but let's say less serious or life or death um it no matters
1: ryan i know that you use um examples from famous characters in history um or even modern day celebrities so could you just give us a couple of examples of this happening people making the obstacle become the way
0: yeah sure so um the the book is obviously you know it's it's a series of stories that all illustrate this central idea but you know some of my favorites i talk about um john d rockefeller you know he's he's uh he gets his first job at 16 all is going well and then the panic of 18 uh 57 strikes and it's basically this crippling national depression that lasts for for several years and he you know it's basically the worst thing that can happen to an inspiring investor sort of financier Mm -hmm. but instead of of sort of you know, running from this, he 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 says, and it's this is a famous quote. He he says he's inclined to see the the opportunity in every disaster, and he uses this particular financial disaster as sort of a baptism in the market. He, he sort of sits and he studies. He looks at what everyone does wrong. He investigates how this thing could have happened, and it's it's actually in this panic that he develops the financial and investing strategies that allow him to, you know. Sees the advantage in in crisis after crisis in his life. Like a few years, like I think twenty years from the panic of 1857, Rockefeller controls something like 90% of the world's oil market. And it's that approach, that idea of like not only not freaking out about something, not not getting sad that you know, hey, you're stuck in a recession but instead seeing like wow this is the best thing that could have ever happened to me and I'm going to take from it and I'm going to learn from it and I'm actually going to sow the seeds for my eventual fortune in how I respond to it. So um, there's that story which I really like, you know I tell the story of Demosthenes and also Theodore Roosevelt who were sort of two people born to privilege but then were disadvantaged by some physical disability you know Demosthenes who becomes a a great Athenian orator is is born with a speech impediment Teddy Roosevelt has you know crippling asthma they both sort of see this disability not as a knock against them but as like a challenge that they have to prove wrong Um, and they 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 actually they like conquer it almost with like sheer force of will Uh, Demosthenes is Literally goes underground. He conquers a speech impediment. He teaches himself the law. He emerges as sort of, you know, stunning figure in Athenian public life. Um, Teddy Roosevelt, you know, rides west, uh, teaches himself to box. He does all this that that eventually sort of builds builds him into literally the model of American masculinity. Mm-hmm. And what we we tend to focus on the end result, and we forget that these people started from intense disadvantage. Um, but then, when you think about it more closely, it's like perhaps that disadvantage wasn't a disadvantage at all. Perhaps it was the thing that s- spurred them to the the growth and the opportunity that they eventually seized and And so you know, ideally, you and I are not born with a speech impediment. We're not you know crippled with asthma, but we do face our own challenges, and how do we instead of hiding from them or taking them for granted, how do we see them as? challenges and how do we see them as opportunities and and make some good of them
1: brilliant and just one final question ryan i'm putting you on the spot here so i do apologize do you have a personal obstacle that you faced in your life uh, that turned out to be the way
0: yeah sure it's funny like I've, i've gotten that question a fair amount with the book and i actually sort of deliberately don't answer it not because i haven't gone through my own obstacles but you know, everyone's obstacles are relative, right? So, you know, I don't want to sit here and talk about some time that I uh got dumped and it made me feel really sad at first, but then, you know, ultimately it made me meet someone new and my life changed, right? Because maybe someone else was born, you know, into poverty or into, you know, domestic strife or something terrible or or worse, like they were born in a country that was, that was war-torn, like, everyone's obstacles are their own. And what matters, and we don't control what happens to us, good or bad. So the fact that you were born with relatively minor obstacles or the fact that you were born into a terrible situation is not what you control. What you control is how you face your problems and the attitude with which you treat them. That's the only part of life that you control is your response to external events. And that's that's what stoicism is about. So, you know, my personal path, it's been one – of you know I dropped out of college when I was 19 uh, I've been working in business since then I'm on my third book at 26 my obstacles are this sort of day-to-day obstacles that come with um, you know being an entrepreneur being um, you know being in control of your own life being an artist having to um, you know produce work in the public sphere um, my obstacles come from that sort of high stakes high pressure environment and I ultimately feel very fortunate that that's where my obstacles are, and they are not you know literally life or death issues um and and what again, what matters is how you respond to the obstacle big or small on a day to day basis um and that's that's what the people that I talk about in the book did and the reason I use their examples again is you know if you're a general in World War two and you're faced with some obstacle and you're able to find the benefit in it uh I think you know the rest of us when our laptop you know eats a document we were working on or the PowerPoint presentation doesn't work we still ought to be able to salvage that situation because let's be honest it could have been a lot worse yeah sure
1: well Ryan I'm personally really looking forward to reading this Um, some people have big dramatic obstacles and others have the day-to-day smaller but still nonetheless challenges so It's good to know that there's something there for everyone. We can all relate to it. So I'm really looking forward to reading it myself. And I'm sure everyone else is as well now. So where can we go to get your books, Ryan?
0: Sure. Uh, The book's available on Amazon and pretty much every other retailer that you can think of. It's out May 1. Uh, If you need more info, you can go to my site at ryanholiday.net. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at at ryanholiday.
1: Great. That's the end of today's episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.